Welcome to another extraordinary edition of Lessons in Leadership. Steve Adubato with my colleague, Mary Gemma, our executive producer and co-anchor of this series. Uh, Mary, this is so appropriate that we're about to, after you and I talk a little bit, uh, we'll talk to uh, a state assemblywoman, a state representative, Holly Shapizi, one of the few women in leadership positions in government. Um, we're going to be talking about women in leadership positions. You're one of the strongest women. I know one of the strongest leaders who just happens to be a woman. We'll talk about our views on that, uh, your views on that, my views as well, the challenges women face, how they're different, whether it's childcare or um, all kinds of responsibilities that we men do not have. Trust me, my wife Jennifer tells me all the time, her job's harder than mine. Uh, tell us, Mary, who funds the show first? Which Ooh. has nothing to do with women in leadership. You didn't I was see ready to coming. dive right into no, the whole did. women in leadership thing. So <laughs> I love it. We have I'll some go back great. To what I promise. Okay, good. I, I'm fired up for this conversation. You know that. Uh, so we have some great uh, sponsors who make this all underwriters who make this all possible. Sponsors, I guess they are. Uh, Gibbons. We have Prager Metis, Valley Bank, and the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 825. And some new and sponsors coming on. We'll announce them. I know we can't say them yet, but definitely uh, check back because we're going to have some new sponsors to announce. And one thing we haven't plugged, I think, in a lot of our different shows that we've been taping, we need to, is where we can follow you, Steve, uh, at Steve Adubato, PhD, A-D-U-B-A-T-O, PhD, on Facebook, as well as on Twitter. And also, you can find us at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, our newest promotional partner, CIANJ and Commerce Magazine, as well as NJ on Air. So we're everywhere in New Jersey and the region. So I'm super excited. Are you getting ready to plug your book as well? No, I was going to say, this is the cover. My last book came out in 2016. And you have not years. aged one bit. Well, that's because I keep airbrushing the picture. Yes. <laughs> um, Mary, listen, I know. It's like, why are you hurting me like that? I'm not hurting you. Um, it's fine. I no, want like a filter to go all over like my screen. I'm going to work with Elvin and our team. Sylvester, if you're watching, put a filter all over this. Make us look younger. No? <sighs> Mary, as I was saying, um, here's the deal. The new book is going to be called Lessons in Leadership. I think the title is Innovation in the Age and of disruption. COVID and Beyond. Innovation and Disruption. We're going to oh, add that. I think, right. I think we need we'll, to add that. We'll figure out the title. One of the things we're going to not change is I'm just going to keep my high school picture here. We're just going to keep it. <laughs> that is and a great Mary, picture, though. I really I like it. I thought about it with Mary Gamba, and I haven't told Mary, but her picture is about this big in the corner. I'm actually going to get on the cover. I don't think that's going to happen. You said it here first, folks, but I don't, oh, I don't think I want to be on the just, cover. We'll negotiate that. Hey, Mary, listen, let, let's, in all seriousness, talk about women in leadership. We, we've had so many conversations over the years about women and whether there's any significant difference between women and men and how they lead. You've already and one of the, And I got to interrupt you right there. One of the main reasons is because our organization is you and then seven of us women. So, I mean, it's a, it's a large, and it's mostly always been that way. We've had some, you know, a few male producers over the years, but it's primarily been women leaders working with Yeah, but team. Mary, also at the same time, you've got Elvin directing the show. Of you course. got Trump, who's one of the best audio engineers in the world. Elvin, best director in the world. Yeah. Um, Scarlett's here with me running the camera. We have You've Sylvester. got Sylvester, mm -hmm. best editor, post production. But the point is, there are a lot of men, but the women are very much involved on the editorial, journalistic side, research side, fundraising side. So let's say this I will often, 
Interesting. I'm going to put this out there. I will often feel that when we're running a meeting, obviously Zoom meetings now, um, or when we're in person, there are times that I do feel that when I'm saying something that's hard to hear, a difficult piece of news. Um, by the way, who is, oh. Oh, Amy. And I was going to bring her up when I got my moment. So yes, we have plug Amy. Plug Amy on the closed captioning. I'm, thank you, Elvin. She's the best. Okay, a Amy, thank you on the closed captioning. It takes a village, as Hillary Clinton once said. Um, here's the thing. I do sometimes feel that if I'm putting something out there and I'm challenging a team member, asking a team member, why did such and such go wrong? And we really need to do better at this. There are times in my own mind, in my own psyche, that I feel like there's some degree of a, it's not an official sisterhood, but something about traveling pants. Uh, you never hear that book, Mary? Oh, yeah, no. I, I saw the movie. I, I knew it was a book, too, but yes. Mary, hold on. Is there, or is it only in my mind, like, we're together, we're women, and we don't like to, we won't challenge each other as much because we're part of a sisterhood, and it's tough to be a woman in a leadership position, and we need to stick together. And Steve's just a pain in the neck. He's Steve's being difficult. Why you that, that I'm shaking my head on, now. I, I'm going to shake my head no. I, I, I call uh, BS on that one. But, uh, and, and I know, but it's perception, and, and you hit it I'll on the head. I'll be open to this. Go ahead. I that feel is, that way. That is your perception, and you, you have the right to how you perceive things. And I have the right to be wrong. Go ahead. <laughs> no, and I get it, right? And I would hope that any team is collaborative, whether it's, uh, you know, if it's primarily men, prim primarily women, or if it's a combination. I think one of the greatest things about any team is the fact that they support one another, they collaborate with one another, they get, they get creative. But Do they confront I... each other, Mary? By the way, we're talking about this because Holly Shapizzi is coming on, state representative of New Jersey State Assemblywoman. Um, she's dealt with serious medical health issues for herself. Her husband has had cancer. Um, she lost a job and, as COVID was happening. And she talks about overcoming challenges. Um, she's tough, tough as nails. But Mary, question. Mm -hmm. Have there been times that I've raised an issue, challenged someone in a very respectful way? Mm -hmm. Not always, but when I do. And I see one of our team members who happens to be a woman, and I start to see tears that are either happening or close to happening. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna sound incredibly stereotypical here. I haven't experienced that too often with men. Am I just putting people in a box? Well, there's two separate things you raised. The first thing you raised was whether we do give feedback to one another, and we do. Hard to hear feedback. Hard to hear, very hard to hear. And because of that, I'd like to say that many of our team members have really stepped up over the years. We've sat down, we've had very difficult conversations, and you know, some you know about, many you don't on a regular basis. And uh, you and I have talked about it all the time. I Sometimes, don't know is what you mean. Correct. Correct. Okay. And uh, many times, though, you and I have agreed to disagree on the delivery, the the mode or the tone or the way that you communicate. I do agree that women communicate differently than men. Men, I feel, just want to get to the point a little bit faster. Sometimes they're a little bit more abrupt, uh, can be a little bit more abrasive, whereas women approach it more. Let me tell you how this is impacting the team, and let me show you the, a different way to go about it that could be much more effective. Um, so I do agree with you completely that there is a difference in the way that men and women communicate, but not that women are any less um, confrontational. Uh, I think we just do it in a different way, but it doesn't mean that it can't be as effective. 
So, and as far as the crying thing, no, I agree completely. No crying in baseball. And I used to cry uh, with you. uh, And, and, and as a result of words that were said, I wasn't crying with you. You meant you were crying. Check this out. Scott's behind the camera here. Mary, I get that Mary is toughest. Leader. Oh, I'm proud of myself now. When was the last time you saw me cry? <laughs> I can't remember. But I used to I used to call her from on the road, around the road all the time doing seminars. Mary, I'm here. I'm it's walking around with a box. I, I've here. got we're a box, box. And, and I don't we're know where I'm going. And I don't find the box. And she goes, listen, I did everything I was supposed to do. But Mary, something went wrong here. What didn't you do? And Mary just, at a certain point, she'd say like this, I can't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I could tell she was, Mary, I'm so sorry. Please don't quit this week. <laughs> and it was, it was so long ago that phone still had wires. So I, it, and Mary Ellen Murphy, Mary Ellen Leota, if you're watching. We love we Mary to, Ellen. Yes, we used to be in a similar space. And I would take that phone and I would just slam it down and slam it down and really? slam it down. And to the point that the wire flew off. And oh, yeah, we, we had so many laughs over the years. But that's how long ago it was. The phone still had wires at the time. <laughs> Those curly little wires. So you're saying, A, I'm old. Mm-hmm. B, I don't have that effect. Now, is it that no, I just. No, but I, I, I want to say thank you. I want to say that? thank you because you have helped me to have a thick skin. Uh, and it helps me to problem solve faster. I get, I get over the emotional. I may have a minute or two of where I'm disappointed in myself, but I, I just immediately go right into problem solving mode, which I had always done before, but because I let my emotions get the best of me, uh, it, it just now it happens a lot quicker. And I just say, all right, let's just get over ourselves and move on. By the way, we have to go to Holly Shapizzi in a moment, but I texted Mary yesterday late in the day. What was, <laughs> we, first of all, during the day, we were going through some things prepping for this taping. She says, listen, go play with some other people today. You're bothering me enough. I have a lot of things to do. And I kept, I kept texting her about certain things. What was the yeah. last text I sent you? Yeah. Uh, are, you, are you mad at me? You're not your normal energetic. I said, are you <laughs> pissed at me? Yeah, uh, exactly. And I said, are you pissed at me? I said, did I do anything? She goes, nah, it's just some other stuff. And I said, well, if I can help in I any just way. Said it, no, I said it was just a My lot. I mean, it, I was the one doing it. Yeah, no. And I had mentioned to you last week, I said, listen, just because your day is clear to prep for a tape day doesn't mean that that's the day we're going to innovate and come up with a whole new series and a whole new book and a whole new everything. Because just because you don't have a lot on your plate because you're prepping, you know, we still have a business to run. But no, it it was, you know, and, and to yeah. your credit, you know, and I will give you credit for this. You did pick up. I wasn't my typical, but I was in my focus. Your typical I mean, cheery upbeat Mary Gamba self. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of work that goes into the tapings. Um, you know, all, all of our other shows have tons of producers, but um, I'm the producer, I'm the executive producer, I'm the technical director, I'm the audio, I'm the booker, I'm the you name it, which is fine. It, it all works, but it, it does take a lot of um, focus. So finally, I said to you at the end of the day, just go and play with somebody else and leave me alone, because if not, yeah. this, this greatness wouldn't happen. By the way, Mary and I are going into couples therapy soon, as you can. Yes. <laughs> oh, I thought that's what we're doing right here. This isn't professional oh. couples. <laughs> uh, Do listen. they have that? Does that exist out? Oh yeah, um, Billions. It does. We love our show, Billions, and I right? hope Billions like, comes back. Um, I, I hope uh, but so by the way, in all seriousness, Holly Shapizzi in this interview talks about a whole range of issues: women in government, women in politics, women in leadership. She talks about the own personal. Challenge she, challenges she and her family has faced, um, and it's powerful stuff. So lessons in leadership with State Assemblywoman Holly Shapizzi. I'm Steve Adubato talking leadership with Holly Shapizzi, State Assemblywoman Holly Shapizzi. Um, 
Holly, you and I have known each other for a long time. Let's talk leadership, and particularly around women in government and politics. As we do this segment, it'll be seen after as well. There's a vice presidential candidate on the Democratic side um, running. It's historic. Kamal Harris. Question. Does that mean something significant for all women in political and governmental life, or is it only those who are Democrats? <laughs> there does seem to be a bit of a favoring of uh, female Democrats as opposed to female Republicans. Um, it's, it's tough being a female in politics, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on. Tell folks why, Holly. It's, it has historically been a boys' club. Um, women in Is it politics, particularly disproportionately a white, middle-aged, and older men's club? Absolutely. Absolutely. And for women on both sides of the aisle, and I have a lot of conversations with my female friends who are Democrat leaders as well, we've had a fight to essentially um, create our own positions, create who we are. Uh, fundraising is more difficult. Having a seat at the table, you've got to create your own seat at the table. Mentorships, you don't have a lot of the same sort of mentoring and you know, grooming to rise up through the ranks that men have historically had. So for somebody like me, I did stuff. I learned how to play golf. I learned how to be one of the boys. Seriously? And yes, yes, absolutely. What does that have to do with leadership, learning how to play golf and being around men in a more comfortable way? Why is that about leadership? Because that's where the deals get struck. That's how the deals get struck. Um, it's, it's amazing that in this day and age, you know, even with respect to, I remember when Kim Guadano was running for governor and people were like, oh, you know, you should potentially run as her lieutenant governor. And even on interviews like this, I had people go, well, you can't have two women running on the same <laughs> ticket. And it's, I mean, it was shocking to yeah. me because when has anybody ever said, wow, there are two men running on the same ticket? Don't say and, it. And we still think that way. And it's something where eventually we need to get to a point where it doesn't matter if it's two white people, two black people, two women, two men, you know, it's whoever is the best candidates. And we need to see past, you know, trying to market ourselves based upon, you know, our, you know, our, our gender or identity or anything like that. And we're still not there yet. You know, outside of politics, I just, I'm going to ask you a question about women in leadership positions, be it in the private sector and education and government, wherever. I know with my own wife, Jennifer, who runs her own business, she's an entrepreneur, but we have three kids, all of whom are dealing in different school situations, remote, hybrid, who's physically there. I'm not going to go through the details, but we're just representative of so many other families. And I'm doing this and I'm doing the leadership seminars and we're running our business out of our house. But there's more pressure on her. I could see it as much as I try to help out. Is it not a fact that for women in leadership positions, regardless of the industry, that childcare, and we're doing this series called Reimagine Childcare, which is all about trying to understand the need for quality, accessible, affordable childcare. It does still, even in 2020 and beyond, childcare falls disproportionately on women, and that has implications for their leadership potential. Absolutely. Um, thankfully, my husband is amazing, and we have always had kind of a non-traditional household. 
Uh, he works from home. He cooks. He does the laundry. He's there. Stop, because you're making me look bad. You make a lot of us look bad, Holly. <laughs> but without, without that, quite candidly, particularly right now, it is impossible to be a mother. I have a nine-year-old. I have a 16-year-old. I... I unfortunately got laid off during COVID. I had to start my law practice again. And here I am out hustling, trying to make a living while also being an assembly woman, while also being school teacher for my children. And, you know, it's, it's a pressure cooker. And, you know, it, it made an already complicated life 10 times more complicated. So it's, it's not just the institutional barriers that older middle-aged and older white men often create, whether intentionally or not, allowing women the opportunity to be in the room and et cetera, et cetera. It's also the reality of our cultural societal norms that women have just way more responsibility. Even you said in an unconventional situation with your husband being very involved and helpful, it's harder for women to be great leaders unless they have no other responsibilities. Is that a fair assessment or is that unfair? No, it's an absolutely fair assessment. I remember when I first ran for office, I had a newborn in my arms and I would bring him with me everywhere that I went because he was you know, my baby, I was nursing him. And I either had people who judged me because, you know, why is she bringing a child to these events? Or it was, why isn't she home with her children? And there is no man out there that I am aware of who's ever had you know, the same sort of pushback yeah. or negative reaction to. You hear all the time about, I have colleagues in the legislature, guys who have multiple children and have run for a higher office, have done various things and have never gotten a negative response of, well, why aren't you home with your kids? For women, it's you know whether or not you're in work, whether or not you're in politics, whether or not you're somebody like me and insane and doing both. It's always kind of like a, this judgmental thing of, well, shouldn't you be home with the kids type of thing? And we're in 2020. Yeah, Holly, one more thing before I let you go. Yes. Your drive, your spirit, your tenacity, even overcoming a, I'm not going to go into detail. We checked a previous interview we did with Holly about a very serious um, issue she had, um, a terrible head injury, if you will, a brain injury that was serious. And, and your recovery was extraordinary and continues to be, I imagine. But where does your tenacity, because I'm connected, I'm big into the connection between leadership and tenacity, toughness, resilience, never quitting. Where does Holly Shapizi's toughness come from? Uh, life is not easy. Um, 2020 has been a really difficult time for me and my family. I had COVID. I lost my job. My husband had cancer. We were in the midst of so many life-crushing events. And you realize there are always going to be life crushing events. There's always going to be difficulties. And you gotta pick yourself up, dust yourself off and move forward. And I've done it my entire life. It hasn't been an easy one, 
But as I tell people, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I use those life lessons to actually help guide me in decisions and having empathy for others and being a good leader based upon having had challenges myself. You know, our, our book, my book is called Lessons in Leadership. Uh, the show Mary Gamba and I do is called Lessons in Leadership. Sometimes I think the title should be simply Lessons in Life because you just offered an awful lot of those. Uh, Holly, thank you so much. Best to you and your family in these incredibly difficult and unpredictable times. Thanks, Holly. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. We'll be right back. This edition of Lessons in Leadership with Steve Adubato and Mary Gamba has been brought to you by Gibbons PC, the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ On Air, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine. Valley's all about making life easier for clients, and that's why we're all about smiles, too. So every day, we make it possible for home buyers to become homeowners, for folks chasing their dreams to become entrepreneurs, for parents to plan today for their children's tomorrow, and for communities to get better every day. You see, when we know we've put a smile on a customer's face, well, that puts one on ours, too. Wow, interesting conversation with uh, Holly Shapizi. We're about to go into a conversation, Mary, with Ben Dworkin over at uh, Rowan. He's the uh, director of the Rowan Institute for Public Policy and Citizenship. Real quick, Mary, I always keep talking about Churchill on leadership. I have another book here, uh, Doris Kearns Goodwin, one of the great historians on presidential leadership, wrote about Roosevelt in here. And the reason I mention this, uh, other than the fact that we have a huge leadership library, which you can see on our website, stand-deliver.com, Mary, whether it's Roosevelt or Churchill at a time, World War II, Hitler, incredible, scary time with this crazy whack job in Germany trying to take over the world. They both said we need to be honest with what's going on. We need to just put it out there. Um, what the heck would Churchill and Roosevelt have done in social media times? Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I would hope that they might have come forward and just given us more valuable life lessons. And we just have to continue to do that today. Just give people the tools that they need to just deal with the craziness of our times. Yeah. By the way, reason Mary gave a short answer is because we're running out of time. Hey, Churchill <laughs> and Roosevelt on Twitter. Just can't imagine it. Yeah, Steve I can't. Steve Adubato, Mary Gamble, Lessons in Leadership. We'll catch you next time. We're now joined by uh, Dr. Ben Dworkin, our good friend down at Rowan University. He's the director of the Rowan Institute for Public Policy and Citizenship. Ben, let's talk leadership. Our series, Lessons in Leadership, Mary Gamba and I, that's what we focus on. Define, as we do this program, about a month or so before the presidential election, it'll be seen before and after, or after, either way. Define political leadership in these incredibly turbulent times. Okay, that's a, a tough one to answer on the spot. What does it look like? What does it look like? Political, political leadership in the in turbulent times 
is political courage. It is willing to do what you know is right and what is important for the institution of representative democracy, even if it might uh, incur a political uh, setback for your own partisan or personal interests. Uh, leadership, that's what leadership is, because otherwise you're just a hack. Uh, and that's the difference between a hack will simply do what is best for themselves or for their party, uh, and a leader is someone who will say, no, we have to do what is right uh, for the country, making that kind of sacrifice, um, even if it is a sacrifice for you. And I you know, tend to think one of the things that uh, people like you and I grew up with in uh, Trenton is that you know, good policy, good leadership means good politics. It ends up being good politics when you do the right thing. So Ben, let me follow up. People often say, you know, it's in leadership is you got to know your audience. You got to know what they want to hear. But then there's what they need to hear. Roosevelt said we needed to fight against Hitler. We needed to step up. Um, and a lot of people didn't want him to do that. A lot of people wanted to be isolationists, stay out of it. Churchill in England, courage, leadership. A lot of people didn't want to fight against Hitler, but he said we must do this or we will not exist anymore. Question. Don't leaders have to listen to the people or their audience, but what happens if what many people in the audience want isn't what they believe is right as a leader? Complex question, I know. Well, look, it, this is a debate political scientists happen, uh, have all the time. Uh, whether you're a, as a leader, whether you're an elected official, are you a delegate or are you a trustee? A delegate hmm. will simply ask their constituents, what do you want? Whatever it is, I'll vote for that. Do a poll, Between, right, Ben? Do a poll and find out what people want and then do, do that. Poll, Is that leadership? You can't poll on everything. And at a certain point, you have to be a trustee. You have to say, look, you elected me. You trusted me to make the call. And there are things that, you know, what leadership, again, means not just uh, listening and doing what people want, but doing the uncomfortable thing, what the people going further and saying, as you pointed out with your Roosevelt and Churchill examples, talking about what is needed, what is necessary, giving the hard truths of what we have uh, to do, where we are as a nation. Um, these, this is part of uh, leadership because it might not be the politically expedient thing to do, uh, but that's what leaders will do. Uh, they will tell the truth to the nation in order to be able to lead people forward. Yeah, but Ben, real quick, before I let you go, as it relates to coronavirus, to what degree do you believe our political leaders at the highest levels in state government and federal government, top level officials, to what degree should they be telling people, quote, the truth that's painful, that's difficult, that's hard to hear, as opposed to, listen, I don't want to panic people. We're going to be good. Which one is real leadership? I think real leadership uh, is certainly being able to tell the truth and talk about the sacrifices that this na uh, nation and this state have to make. I think when you see governors around the country telling the truth, having their uh, daily updates about the coronavirus fight, talking about what they need to do, their popularity has skyrocketed. And there's no better example than mm. Bill Murphy uh, right here in New Jersey, who's been hovering above 65 percent approval rating uh, since this uh, virus, I think because he has tried to be mm. uh, and has done a good job in convincing the public that he's telling the truth. And in contrast, President Trump, who at one point had the uh, 
the daily briefings, then stopped them, was talking, then stopped talking. Now we're never sure who we're listening to at any given moment. And people have, in part because of the past three years, uh, found reasons not to trust uh, the president, especially after the Bob Woodward uh, interview and the tapes that were revealed there. And therefore, his popularity has stayed exactly the same. I think what is striking about our current uh, period in time in the coronavirus is that political leaders who have told the truth and have convinced people that they're telling the truth have seen their popularity. The public gets it, and the public has rewarded it with high approval ratings. And those who haven't stay where they were. Donald Trump is still at 42, 43% approval, has not gone up one iota in this particular pandemic, uh, whereas lots of other people on both sides of the aisle, uh, in fact, have taken a different tact in their leadership and have been rewarded for it, at least in public polling so far. A final point I want to make. This interview is being taped on the 22nd of September. It will be seen after the election. We don't know what's going to happen in that president's election. I hope and pray, and Ben does as well, that whoever wins, that there's a peaceful transition of power in Washington. But we are talking about where we are right now. It is not political prognostication or, or projecting who's going to win or not. But the principles are the same, about being honest and candid and telling sometimes the unvarnished, painful truth. That is leadership in the eyes of Ben Dworkin, who is, in fact, the uh, director of the Rowan Institute for Public Policy and Citizenship. And he's not alone in that view. Ben, thanks. Uh, all the best to you and our family, the family down at Rowan. Take care, my friend. Thank you so much, Steve. Appreciate it. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ On Air, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine. Construction companies work at the heart of our communities. So do the operating engineers of Local 825, who build our roads and bridges and ensure the safe transmission of energy that keeps us on the move. Local 825 works with contractors as partners in quality, safety, and training. Our achievements stand as monuments to collaboration that will last for generations. This message has been brought to you by the members of Operating Engineers Local 825. Better building begins here.